Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called The Madman and the Roadworker. It's by Stuff National Correspondent Tony Wall, who joins me now. Kia ora, Tony. Kia ora. So, The Madman, who is The Madman? Well, The Madman, he's a, a man called Quinn Winders, or Quinton Winders, who 10 years ago shot uh, roadworker George Tyler in cold blood, basically, at a roadworks in the South Waikato area. And so you were the only journalist who's actually spoken to Quinn Winders. Why were you the only one? Yeah, so it took police a couple of years to charge him. So for a couple of years, um, he was just free to go about his daily business. And a few journalists had been trying to find him, but he was quite itinerant and he was a fencer and he'd move around farm properties in the central North Island area. So nobody had been able to find him. I just got lucky. I drove to his property near Pongamomana and rocked up and there he was. So what was he like when you spoke to him? Um, He was very friendly. He was painting the side of the barn and he said, oh, have you come to help me paint, have you? And I said, yeah, yeah, mate. And um, yeah, we just chatted away and I asked him, did you kill George Tairoa? And he just laughed and said, no, it's a big fabrication by the police. That was the word he kept using, fabrication. Um, And it was pretty clear talking to him that he was a bit of an unusual character, an unusual personality. Thanks, Tony. Now here's Tony's story, The Madman and the Road Worker. In late November 2012, Detective Sergeant Deborah Gower, officer in charge of the New Plymouth Organised Crime Squad, was making general inquiries in Whangamomona, the remote and eccentric little Taranaki town that calls itself a republic. Several people told her of their concerns about a man named Quinn Winders, who lived alone in a barn with no windows on the other side of the Whangamomona saddle at Pohokura. They described him as the local madman, Gower later wrote. He was unpredictable, often delusional, and had guns. He was not to be trusted, the locals said, warning police not to approach his property. This was before the time of domestic terrorists, mosque shootings, and organised conspiracy theorists. The warning did not trigger a major response. Gower and a colleague stopped outside Winders' property, observing a high gate which was locked. They drove on. Gower later entered a note in the police intelligence system, so officers who had future dealings with Winders would know to be careful. We will never know whether a visit to Winders' property by police might have changed what happened four months later, on March the 19th, 2013, when he shot road worker George Tairoa, 67, in cold blood, 200 kilometres north in the Kinleith Forest. Perhaps if he'd known police were looking at him, he might have kept a low profile. But then again, Winders lived an alternative reality, one where a sex slave ring operated in his small corner of the world. Police were involved in a giant conspiracy and being a bit slow to flash a stop sign was a crime punishable by death. Police said in a statement the information Gower received didn't meet the evidential threshold for further action and there was no way they could have anticipated Winder's later actions. 
The intelligence note by Gower is contained in police files obtained by staff under the Official Information Act, which paint a fascinating picture of police interactions with him after he became the prime suspect for the murder of Tairoa. It's clear from the files that Winders was a prime suspect from early in the investigation, although it would be two years and eight months before he was finally arrested and charged. A subject profile from early April 2013 listed all his vehicles, including a Jeep Cherokee, an ex-Army Unimog, a 1982 Mercedes-Benz and his pride and joy, a 1987 Lotus Esprit, which he bought from money made working in Australian mines. The profile marked classified and in confidence included information about his parents Max and Janet, his three siblings as well as friends and employers. His property at Pohokura was about 200 hectares, mostly in steep native bush, the profile said, while Winders lived in a steel barn that had no power. The profile said he had minimal interest, but he was passionate about his vehicles and was also into safari hunting, belonging to a Safari Club International. He'd purchased the Unimog with the idea of running safari tours on his property, which is unlikely due to the rugged terrain. Although he came from a wealthy farming family and attended private schools in Auckland, the profile noted that Winders was extremely frugal with his money and lives a minimalist lifestyle. He'd spent most of his time working on a property in Benedale owned by an old university friend, constructing 16 kilometres of fencing. His standard of fencing is to a very good workmanship, it said. He also took pride in his appearance, at one point very eager to find his double-breasted jacket and comb his hair, before going with police for questioning. The profile suggested that Winders was more likely to respond to a professional and calm approach by police rather than direct and authoritarian. In a suspect profile drawn up in June 2013, it was revealed that police had made a major breakthrough. They discovered that a week prior to his murder, Tairoa had been controlling a stop-go operation on State Highway 1 at Atiamuri when a Land Rover driven by Winder's father, Max, with Quinn in the passenger seat, was involved in a minor accident. It's believed Tairoa was not giving clear directions, which resulted in the Winders overshooting a queue of traffic and then having to reverse their vehicle, the profile says. While doing this, their trailer has hit another vehicle behind, causing a small amount of damage. Further inquiries had found father and son had attempted to avoid some liability through their insurance company by not truthfully reporting some of the circumstances of what occurred. This incident, coupled with Quinn's unusual personality, is believed to be the catalyst and motivation for the homicide occurring. The profile described how a blue Jeep Cherokee had pulled up next to Tairoa on March the 19th. He's seen to lean in towards the passenger's window and then fall back onto the road. Tairoa was shot at close range in the head with a single round from a 22 rifle. 
Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash the human race or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. The profile stated that Winders most likely drove to the farm in Bennydale, where he hid out for a while, until under the cover of darkness he either went home to Pohokura or to his parents' farm near Rotorua. In another report from June, it was revealed that the police criminal profiling unit had been called in. They thought Winders may have fixated on a perceived wrong, George Tyro not doing his job properly, and reacted to it in an extreme and deadly way. There was a warning for police staff to be cautious when speaking with Winders, as he may be in possession of a firearm. It's also believed he may suffer with a personality disorder or mental illness, whereby he may become a risk to personal safety of police and public. Despite the warning, it was noted that when Winders was brought to the Rotorua police for questioning on April the 4th, just over two weeks after the murder, he was not upset, even though he'd been tackled by the armed offender squad in a shop in Rotorua. A transcript of that interview conducted by Detective Steve Dahn of Taupo provides a good insight into Winders' personality. He confirmed he had a Jeep Cherokee, but insisted it was purple rather than blue, its colour wrongly described by the woman at the registration office as if this would somehow put police off the trail. He kept describing the incident at the roadworks a week before the murder as odd. The other driver was claiming his car had been dinged, Windows said, but there was only a small amount of damage that looked like it was already there. There was something very odd about it, and then um, it just seemed really odd, basically, Winder said. He used the word odd 33 times to describe the collision and Tairoa's manning of the stop-go sign. He said Tairoa was sitting down, his sign leaning against his car, and he only flipped the sign to stop at the last second, forcing Max Winders to brake. Asked if Tairoa had caused the accident, Winders said, um... He may well have. There may be something there. There was something odd, something sloppy there. But he claimed the incident was no big deal. Winders, his defence team and correction officers came along, Winders' hands handcuffed at the front. Winders was asked about his firearms, including two 22 rifles, one of which police believe was a murder weapon. It's never been found. At first, Winder said he thought he'd misplaced the guns, but he was sure he'd put them back in his safe. 
He claimed what had actually happened was a sex and drug offender who'd been breaking into properties in the area had pinched his keys to the barn and taken the guns. He claimed that Stratford police were well aware of the man who was involved with young women who'd been going missing. Winder said he told two plainclothes detectives that he saw the man with a girl and had a bad feeling. They told him they were monitoring the situation and to keep cool, he should watch the TV show Crime Watch, they, the detectives, supposedly told him. My understanding of it is that it was part of a much bigger um, sex slave ring and paedophile ring, he said. This was Winder's imagination. There was no such operation. A year later, when police visited his property to return items seized during an earlier search, Winders returned to this theme. He'd been the victim of thefts from his property, he told a detective, and he suspected a guy called Bigfoot, who had grabbed girls off the streets in Wellington. During the Rotorua interview in April 2013, he was asked about his movements on the day of the murder. He was evasive. Dunn said, we're at the crossroads right now. You have to think long and hard about the response to the question I'm going to put to you. Winder said, well, I'd better get a lawyer or something if it's getting like this. Yeah, I'll have to stop making comments if this is serious, you know. Dunn made several more attempts to get Winders to confess. Think about his family, he said. Let's resolve it with your help. Winders refused further comment, asking for a cup of coffee, a ham sandwich and to use the lavatory. A profile drawn up a few days later said that although Winders was odd, his interview showed an ability to plan and think logically about how to avoid apprehension. A few weeks after the interview, police sent Winders a letter advising they were considering revoking his firearm licence. The letter referred to a disturbing report that in 2009, Winders had discharged a firearm multiple times at a group of people hunting on a farm bordering his property. In another incident, in 2012, you shot at a person who was spotlight hunting on two occasions. Staff reporter Tony Wall was unaware of Winders' background with firearms or the concerns of locals when he visited his property in February 2014. When he walked up the steep driveway, at first it seemed that no one was home. Then suddenly, Winders appeared from around the side of the barn. He was relaxed throughout the 30-minute conversation, Wall left thinking he was intelligent and charming, but mad as a March hare. Winders kept going on about how police were sending emails, pretending to be him, to reporters. He said police control the whole surveillance network and pointed to areas in the bush where they'd put up cameras. On this point, he was half right. The files show that there was an electronic phase to the operation, which Stuff understands included bugging the phones of Winders and his family, but one document said that because Pohokuro was so remote, technical issues meant it couldn't be extended to Winders' property. He was, however, being watched in the old-fashioned way, police apparently hiding out in bush on or near the farm. Quinn does drink alcohol, as during a surveillance phase at his Pohokura address, he was seen in his living quarters drinking wine, one report said. Winders was finally arrested at a house he owned in Stratford in November 2015. Four members of the armed offenders squad present. He came quietly, an officer describing him as extremely relaxed.
Winders was found guilty in September 2016. His family yelled, love you, as he left the court, telling media he was innocent. At a sentencing that December, Tairoa's daughter, Rachai, said in a victim impact statement that losing her dad had shattered the family. She said, the problem is the pieces will never fit back together like they did before because dad was the anchor piece that is missing. Winders was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum non-parole period of 17 years. In 2018, his appeal was thrown out. That was A Madman and the Road Worker on the long read from Stuff. Written by Tony Wall, read by me, Philippa Tolley, and produced by Jen Black. This episode was edited by Connor Scott. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps other listeners to find us. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support.